Field Talk 1041 week. How are you doing this morning? What are you, halfway through the week? It's Wednesday. All right. That means we got, well, some of us anyhow have Retro Metro Lunch. Bunch! Bunching up the lunches. This is the best day of the Yo, week. Yo, bunching up the lunches with the Lunch Bunch at Retro Metro. You can always, even if you don't win, you could go sit at another table and watch us eat. Yeah, that's true. That's winning. That is winning. Uh, our our lunch bunch of Retro Metro, just such a great place to eat for lunch. And if you are one of those people, maybe your office, you go with office friends, and, and uh, they never like it when you pick because you have dietary restrictions, and it, there aren't that many places that have menus that are catered to you. And so they're like, oh, no, she's going to decide. Notice I said she because of the dietary restriction. <laughs> And uh, all right, he, whatever. And uh, it, it, it's, it's just because a lot of restaurants, it's almost an aside. Uh, but one of the, the highlights of Retro Metro is that they have, it's not just an aside. It's not, oh, well, let's take a version of something that we already have and take out some things. And then it's bland. The, the winners that we've taken that have some people with them in the group, that have certain dietary restrictions, whether it's vegetarian or low sodium, heart healthy, uh, they're like, oh, we'll get you that menu. It's not, oh, well, there. here's a menu item with a little asterisk next to, it, next to it. That's how you know that's the one thing on here, other than a salad with no dressing that is safe for you. There's a there's a whole other menu they bring in. So it's a great option for you and fantastic food. I've heard nothing uh, but praise for how delicious those menu items are by those who have eating them i've not ever i frank i've not even looked at that menu <laughs> i probably should sometime that way I, I think of it more often because it's it's really not something that uh, i highlight as often as i they should have quite mm. a few options on it okay mm -hmm. i'm already trying to decide what i'm gonna have for lunch today i don't know the weather is still warm so that seems like maybe a salmon salad day Ooh. sounds pretty good it does it does sound I think good i'm gonna get the i think it's the scavuzzo sandwich mm, that's delicious it is really good that is delicious or the blt uh, that is as well for me it's i'll wait till it gets a little bit cooler again get signed up for the lunch bunch if you win you and up to five of your friends coworkers, whomever you want to bring along with you will join us for lunch on a wednesday as we will do today now we do have a breakfast at scramblers for first responders that is this week this friday if you are a first responder Come by between 6A and 9A as we broadcast live and Barker's Frame and Collision, Pyramid Roofing, and Scramblers are going to buy you breakfast, all right? Uh, there were a number of elections. Uh, there were some local things uh, regarding taxes and and um, so forth in, in the area. Greene County, Christian County did not have anything, but some of the more outlying areas did. And then nationally, there were a number of races. And we talked about this yesterday, how this is going to be presented um, in the gubernatorial capacity. Uh, you had the Democrat in Kentucky win re-election and the Republican in Mississippi win re-election. Um, of course, the, the Biden administration is really touting this big time. And anti-Trumpers are also touting. Now, they're ignoring the outcome in Mississippi. <laughs> Despite the fact that the the Republican governor in Mississippi running for re-election, there's been this welfare scandal down there, and he's actually 
uh, pretty unpopular, and the Democrats were pouring all sorts of money into that race. Uh, in fact, they kind of kept Biden away because they were afraid Biden would hurt uh, the the Democrat. But uh, the the fundraising was like two to one in terms of the Democrat. It was just hand over fist money, uh, a lot of it coming from outside the state, and still uh, could not manage to win that race. That, of course, is being totally ignored. It's the Kentucky race and the re-election of the Democrat there that is being highlighted as a potential sign of things to come. Uh, we will also, Virginia, talk about this. The, the, the surface of much of this is not nearly as telling as, as what will be evaluated in terms of breakdown and so forth. For example, in Mississippi... The Democrat losing there isn't as important as what was when when they look at the numbers, black voter turnout. James Carvel, he has long noted that the Democrats should not have been as excited over the midterm wins as they were because black voter turnout turnout was down and it continues to go down. And you know, did that repeat itself in Mississippi? They were already noting that that was going to be the key to the Democrat winning in, if he did win in Mississippi, that it was going to be black voter turnout. And he did not win. In fact, there was a potential runoff situation there because there was a third party candidate who had dropped off the ballot. But if that third party candidate had gotten three or there was still write in protest votes and so forth. And I, I don't even know if the name it, her, itself was off all of the the uh, the different ballots throughout the state. But point being is they were expecting a runoff necessary because of the lack of 50 percent plus of a vote with that third party candidate in there, even though they had dropped out of the race. And there was very, very minimal impact on the overall race um, by the third party candidate. But I think four or five percentage points, the Republican won. What was the black turnout? Was the black turnout down? Was it down further than what it was in the midterms? This is what a lot of Democrats breaking down the numbers are very concerned about when it comes to the Biden election uh, and his already eroding support amongst Hispanics and amongst the black population, specifically when it comes to Donald Trump. Then there was Virginia and Ohio. Ohio, what happened there, we really need to pay attention to in Missouri. So we're going to cover much of this stuff. Um, also, the media bending over backwards to make sure that uh, you did not know that it was a Jew that was killed at that protest by a pro-Hamas protester. This was out in California where you had a pro-Hamas, pro-Palestinian protester, left-wing activist hitting or throwing a megaphone at the elderly uh, Jewish man who would die. And as they carted him off and blood was everywhere, they were still chanting about Jews burning in hell. Very classy uh, grouping of individuals and protesters. And, and in fact, there was one NBC report that w did not even have in the headline that he was Jewish. I, I mean, it's just more of the same. Holocaust denialism in the year 2023. Latest news update, I'm Nick Reed. From Color 10 News, I'm Jesse Inman. Police are investigating after one person was stabbed in East Springfield. It happened on East Division Street near Highway 65 last night. The victim then made their way to a local business to call for help. 
The victim was hospitalized in unknown condition. A homeowner in Stone County shoots and kills someone breaking into their home. Deputies say the intruder attacked the homeowner but was then shot and killed. Greene County deputies were called out to assist with the investigation and no charges have been filed yet. And if you've been in downtown Springfield, you may have noticed a Christmas tree is being put up in its signature spot on Park Central Square. This year's tree is a brand new 65-foot-tall artificial tree. Underneath will be the new home of Santa and Mrs. Claus Christmas Treehouse. You can catch the mayor's annual tree lighting on November 18th. From Color 10 News, I'm Jesse Inman. And the first alert forecast from Color 10 Fox 49 meteorologist Tom Schmidt. Sunshine 80 for a high today, partly cloudy tonight, 47 for a low. And then the cold front comes through. Some rain possible in that front as well. Tomorrow, slight chance of rain. A high of only 58. Wind chill, 42. Regarding the local votes yesterday that many of you participated in, on the American Transmissions Talk and Text Line, Nick, like so many election days before, I find myself disappointed. My fellow Missourians, we complain about the useless rhinos in our state legislature, yet it is Missouri voters who keep voting for tax increases. Of the 12 local tax increases in the ballot yesterday, only one was rejected, worse yet. Six of 12 were decided by less than 45 votes. If we as voters can't be troubled to show up, why should the politicians give our uh, desires a second thought? The, the one exception to the Missourians are always voting to increase their taxes, at least on a large scale, is the gas tax, which on numerous occasions we rejected. But... Um, Parson and Kehoe and crew pushed it, it through the state legislature with the help of other establishment Republicans and saddled us with five separate tax increases at the pump. So we ended up getting screwed on that anyway. But this is true. You go through the list. Barton County, use tax, Republic safety, Yes. The one, uh, Bolivar R12 school district tax levy for o, uh, OTC partnership, uh, that that one did fail. But you got Branson, 1% sales tax, passed. Bond for water sewer improvements, Branson West, passed. 3% sales tax on marijuana, Branson West, passed. Another half a cent city use tax for public safety, Branson West, ta uh, passed. In Kabul, half a cent city sales tax for fire and police, um, this, I don't have numbers on that one. So, um, it'll probably pass if it, yeah, or it probably did. Eldon, uh, 3% sales tax, marijuana passed. Uh, then another 2.4% city use tax for public safety that passed. So already you got over a 5% tax increase there. The city of Marionville local use tax passed 3% sales tax of marijuana passed. Marshfield, 3% tax of marijuana, passed. Seymour, 3% sales tax of marijuana, passed. So tax increase, tax increase, tax increase, tax increase. And it is a, a, a significantly lower than the voter population turnout. I mean, the, the percentage of individuals, it could be just a couple of dozen, or it can be less than that that make the difference between whether or not it's another tax increase. You know what I'd like to see? I'm sure some 
left-wing judge would knock it down somewhere. But in a state, let's say like Missouri, if every time, whether it was a state vote for county, local municipality, but whatever it is, if it is requesting a tax increase, there should be a notation as to on the average how many or what percentage of every dollar a Missourian has taxed already just across the board. I'm sure there'd be all sorts of debate over coming up with that number, and some would be relatively straightforward and, you know, because you've got your federal income tax, you have your state income tax, and then there are varying degrees of sales taxes for local municipalities, but let's not forget, and many of you have got notifications for property taxes coming up, personal property taxes. I mean, you own any vehicles, trailers, sheds, your home, taxes on that every time you go to the gas station you're paying taxes there every time you go to the grocery store every time you pay any bill you're paying taxes phone bill you pay taxes electric bill taxes natural gas bill taxes uh whatever form of whether internet dish you're paying taxes on that there is part of the reason that many people are still willing to vote for tax increases is because there is a failure to recognize all of these taxes that actually come out of every dollar that a person earns. The, uh, the, there are only really, in any sort of meaningful way, The way that people really get any sense of that is if they do look at your, you know, if you look at your check, like, here's my pay. Well, here's what's taken out. Ouch. And at the end of the year, if you own any sort of vehicle or, any, you know, and then because you actually have to pay it separately. If the average Missouri, I, I, I can't help but believe if the average Missourian on the ballot and they were told, and I, and I don't know what this number would be, over half on average, I suspect, when you, when you figure in all of the taxes, that if being asked, by the way, do you want to pay more? Do you want to take another 2%? another two cents out of that dollar that you're already paying this percentage on, that the results would oftentimes be more, you know, they would be different. There is another marketing tool that is utilized to get people to support these taxes, and it's the false pre presentation that that is the only way money can be acquired for what it is that they want and that's just always the approach in other words 
if you support us doing this, that means that you have to vote to give us more money. It's never an option in their minds to actually just find the money elsewhere, sort of like you and I do in our homes, right? That's what happens. Oh, we want something else. Uh, you know, I, we want to go on a vacation. Um, well, okay, we budget. We're going to take a little bit of money out of this here, you know, out of our uh, grocery budget or maybe out of savings, or we wait until our car is paid off and we utilize that money instead. That's what you and I do. Most of us just don't say, well, I need more money from somewhere and then go rob a liquor store. We recognize we have to find it somewhere. And the somewhere, unfortunately, for government is always us. And they convince citizens of that as well. I've had conversations with people that are, oh, I'm re- you know, Republican. And I know I've relayed this story before, but it was about a supporter of Lincoln Huff and, and you know, the discussion about how he loves tax increases. And, uh, well, you know, yeah, no, I understand. I, I'm for lower taxes, too. This was a citizen. But he explained to me that, you know, well, it went for this thing, this and this, and we needed this and that. <laughs> that that's how we end up with essentially one party system where the answer is always raising taxes. And it's that false. That that false narrative that that is the only way that that money can arrive for that particular desired outcome. It is from you. You ever know? You're the one who has to figure it out out of your budget. If you ask them, say, hey, uh, you already get a lot of tax dollars. If you want this additional park or you want these additional services to be, you know, the, the expansion of government, why don't you find it within your budget already? No, no, no. They expect you to find that money out of your personal budget. And because. And I, 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 if you could get into the minds of the voters, I suspect a vast, vast, vast majority of voters, when they think about whether or not they are going to vote for a tax increase, and you may have, you know, your mind may even have been massaged into this instinctual mindset as well, which is understanding because of the way it's always presented. When that decision is made, do I want to raise taxes on this? The the decision is made based off of, do I think what they're wanting to do is a good thing? In other words, the default to, that's the only way it can happen is if I approve the tax increase. I mean, for me, there's two questions. One, do I think that this is something that government should be doing? And then secondly, do I also believe that they have been so completely 100% fiscally responsible that there actually is no wasted dollars anywhere whatsoever? There is no reprioritizing that could be done. And so the only option that they have is for me to find it in my budget and give it to them. That's the second question. And that second question is one that most people never even consider. Springfield's Talk 104.1. I'm Nick Reed. Hey, one custom car care. Uh, there is financing options for you as, as so many of us, particularly middle and lower income Americans, struggle under the 
economic policies of the Democrats, and they have no interest in changing the way they do things, so things are not going to get better as long as they're in charge. All we can do is try to all hands on deck, help each other out, and it's one of the reasons that A1 Custom Car Care uh, developed a financing option for people that may not be in a position for that unexpected expense. You know, Democrats for a long time ran around you know, in the context of your medical bills saying you're only $500 away from bankruptcy. Of course, their answer was to make it more expensive, which they successfully have done with Obamacare. But that aside, we'll think about in the context of, of vehicle issues. How many times does an unexpected issue with your vehicle cost more than $500? So the financing option is something that you don't have to have the best credit in the world in order to benefit from, whether it is a decision for you that is going to be up to you, but you, you know it's something you may want to inquire about if you do find yourself in that unfortunate position. A1 Custom Car Care, all of their contact info you can find under Nick's endorsements at ksgf.com. I want to talk coming up about the Kentucky race. And the difference between what the vote outcome is versus the way that the vote outcome is being presented. And this is being presented as rebuking Trump, and it's a huge victory for Democrats, and you know, all this sort of stuff. And there are some missing components to this that are, are, are painting a much different picture than the way that it is being presented because, like I said, the Democrats and anti-Trumpers, they're playing this up as proof that, uh, that Trump is very problematic when it comes to the electability of Republicans. That coming up as we continue the broadcast video, the video feed on Facebook, 1041 Nick Reed, that sponsored by none other than Springfield Raps, who designed our KSGF studio. First alert forecast, sponsored by St. Clair of the Ozarks, home improvements from Color 10, Fox 49, meteorologist Tom Schmidt. Sunny 80 today, 47 tonight, slight chance of rain tomorrow with a high of 58. White House gloats over Cameron's failed gubernatorial bid in Kentucky. That is a Breitbart headline along with another Breitbart headline, anti-Trump Republicans blame Trump following Daniel Cameron's laws. Anti-Trump Republicans within the party offered a variety of reactions to Daniel Cameron's loss in the Kentucky governor's race as backers of Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, as well as others, used the opportunity to attack former President Donald Trump. Um, and, and so you've, you've got this sort of showboating, if you will. Now, we outside of Kentucky don't really know the personalities, the, 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 the feeling of these candidates outside of what we're told by the media. And if you listen to the media post-loss, now there are a couple of factors to keep in mind here. While obviously Republicans clearly would have liked to have win, won this, Andy Brashear who is the current Democrat Kentucky governor running for re-election, the incumbent, is extremely popular. This was an uphill battle. Now we can talk about the disappointing nature of the fact that a guy who put numerous people out of jobs and businesses with his backwards, anti-science, anti-liberty 
COVID mandates. I mean, lives completely destroyed. But still, it was popular. You also had a lot of George Soros money that were running very racist ads against Daniel Cameron, who was black. And utilizing Uncle Tom sort of language. This is, you know, how the, you know, we all know how the Democrat Party, if there is ever, anytime there is a black person that gets off the plantation, they whip them in front of others in order to send a message and make an example. And that same thing was done. Now, aside from that, had Cameron won, we would not be hearing so much about how this was a Donald Trump-backed and endorsed candidate. Do you know what we would hear instead? We would probably hear about the fact that Cameron is a protege of Mitch McConnell, showing that moderates win. And that is because, in fact, that is the way that Daniel Cameron has been presented and and is oftentimes referred to throughout Kentucky, uh, Mitch McConnell protege. And Mitch McConnell is one of the single most least popular politicians in the country. He, uh, they're seen as bosom buddies. Mitch McConnell was there at at his, at uh, Daniel Cameron's wedding. So the the presentation and the personality of Daniel Cameron within Kentucky is is largely presented as a Mitch McConnell two I am not a I, I I'm not a big believer in the power of endorsements nearly to the degree that some are, and I think that once upon a time it made more of a difference. But I don't think endorsements, and I don't think endorsements from Trump, really make much of a difference, other than the reaction to the endorsements. I don't believe that. People who, and, and you're, of course you're going to have some, but I, I don't think that there is a significant portion of the voting population of people that like Trump that as they pay attention and they get a sense and a feel for who they like, that they're going to change that or they're going to abandon that because Trump says, I like this person instead. I, I just don't believe that. And I don't think it's not just Trump. I think that to a large degree, particularly with Republicans, that doesn't matter as much. Now, Democrats are much more fall in line and obedient, and they tend to be more willing to do what they're told. But Republicans increasingly, and largely to the Trump effect, if you will, find themselves independent of what they're told to do, even if it's by Trump. And I know that that's very difficult for non-Trump people to understand because in their minds, they've convinced themselves that Trump supporters are a bunch of cult followers and that, you know, Trump supporters, they're just brainwashed individuals that does everything that they do, everything Trump says, which, if anything, the vaccines show that that's clearly not the case. 
People who support Trump don't support Trump because they've just decided I like him and I'm waiting for him to tell me what to do and how to live my life. It's generally his attitude, his approach, uh, the fact that he doesn't take crap off people and that he's all about making America better and not deferring to other countries. That's what they like about him. That doesn't mean that they do everything that he says or that when he comes out and says, hey, I like this person, you should vote for him. Uh, That doesn't mean that you're going to have Republican or Trump voters that automatically are going to do it. I just don't believe in that power like a lot of other people do. If we are going to, however, attribute wins and losses to high-profile politicians that have a connection to the candidate, how on earth Trump can be blamed... For the Cameron loss, when this is Kentucky, Mitch McConnell land, and this is a candidate that is referred to as Mitch McConnell's protege. Where is Mitch McConnell in this? How is it when you have a candidate from Mitch McConnell's home state, Mitch McConnell's voters, that is referred to as Mitch McConnell's protege, and when he loses, it's Trump's fault because Trump told people this is the guy you should vote for. It it is an unwillingness for, and this is part of the problem with the Republican Party, as long as Trump exists, nothing is ever their fault. Losses aren't their fault. The failure to retain power isn't their fault. You know, winning back the Senate, again, this is another example. We're told Donald Trump is the reason that Republicans did not retain the Senate. Donald Trump, not even in an elected office, not even in the White House, or they, or they didn't get back the Senate during the midterms. Mitch McConnell, in the meantime, actually is the leader of the Republicans in the Senate. Oh, no, but it's not Mitch McConnell's fault. Oh, no, no, it's not the establishment's fault. It's that guy who hasn't been president for two years. It's his fault. If it's Donald Trump's fault, then that's the Republican Party's fault that it's his fault, if that makes any sense. You know what I'm saying? If Donald Trump is the reason that Republicans did not get the Senate in the midterms and the reason that the Mitch McConnell protege in Kentucky did not take the, the governor's race in Kentucky, then that's shame on the Republican Party for being so uh, irrelevant when it comes to voter turnout, so irrelevant when it comes to helping get candidates across the finish line that a guy who right now is facing federal charges in four different jurisdictions because of an attempt to take him down as if we're some sort of third world republic. He's bogged down in that stuff. He's not in the White House. He doesn't have that bully pulpit. He's not even supposed to be out there campaigning because gag orders are you know put on him. If he has more influence over the elections than the people who are currently in charge of the Republican Party, then that's a Republican Party problem, not a Donald Trump problem. You know, and where's the um, reflection of the Republican, the very unpopular Republican, 
winning re-election in Mississippi. I, I don't want anyone to misunderstand me. I'm not claiming that uh, Republicans should look at the results of uh, the, the election yesterday and think, oh, everything's fine, because it's not. But this refusal of the Republican Party to accept their responsibility in this, this continued, it's, you know, we oftentimes, outside observers of the Democrat Party, we will look at them and when it comes to the economy, for example, when are they going to wake up and get it? They can run around all they want saying that the economy is good, the economy is good, the economy is good. But that's not reality. And the longer that they choose to live in a false reality, the longer it is going to be harmful to them. Well, to that same token, the Republican Party refuses to acknowledge the reality of why some of these losses are occurring. And I'm going to tell you what it is, and this is a... Well, we've got to get a traffic update, and I want to explain an aspect of this that the Republican Party's missing, and, and maybe even Trump supporters are missing. I think that there is a lack of recognition as to the problem that's going on here and why it is that you would think every Republican could easily stroll across the finish line given how horrific things are in this country right now, from the economy to crime to anti-Semitism, to the border, to drugs uh, and overdoses and homelessness, any and everything that the Democrats touch turned to absolute crap, yet it's still a difficult battle for Republicans. Why is that? So that next, I'm Nick Reed. Uh, just focusing on the two gubernatorial races yesterday and the those we'll talk Virginia a bit coming up in the Ohio situation with abortion there and what that means for Missouri the the, the win of the Democrat incumbent in Kentucky clearly not ideal for Republicans the Mississippi it was kind of a flip situation where you had the Republican incumbent and and he won. Now, the difference is the Republican incumbent in Mississippi, in terms of popularity, he should have lost because he was, he was not popular. He was one of the more unpopular governors in the country, while the Democrat governor in Kentucky was one of the more popular. So that, that should have, just according to the sheer numbers, been a win for Democrats, but so should Mississippi have been a win. But it was not. But that's not what we're paying attention to. We're paying attention to the Kentucky election because, among other things, Trump endorsed the candidate, who, by the way, the Republican candidate was black. So, I mean, if we want to look at it that way, here the Democrat Party did everything it could to stop a black man from being governor in Kentucky. And they succeeded. But... The other point is, of course, he is considered to be the protege of Mitch McConnell. This is so, you know, this idea that it's just Trump's fault when this is a Mitch McConnell guy is an inaccurate recognition of the atmosphere. So, why is it that at a time when the economy is horrible, inflation's horrible, 
crime is horrible. The border is horrible. All of the everything, everything that the Democrats currently touch makes life worse for the average person in a meaningful way. And when when they when they're asked these questions, the vast majority of people say Biden's hurting us. They're hurt, Biden is hurting me and my family. I think 18 percent the latest poll said they believe that Biden is actually helping them or another term will help them. So what's the problem here? I think there's this enthusiasm problem because Republicans do not give as a party really ultimately a reason to vote for them in the overall landscape of things. Now, there may be particular issues and so forth, but if you take Trump out of the equation, do you ever hear anyone, uh, you know, other than somebody that may be an activist for the party, that just talks about the reasons that they really, you know, believe differentiate Republicans for Demo- from Democrats in, in terms of their enthusiasm to get out there and support them? When I was growing up and first paying attention to these things, one of those big issues was spending. I mean, that, that was a, a, an identifying factor. If you believed, as many Americans did, that we were being fiscally responsible, tax and spend liberal was a term that was used quite often. The Republican Party was a party that you just knew and felt that is the answer. That's what will change this. There was a feeling amongst Republican voters that if we went and get control, things will change in a very meaningful way. I don't believe that Republican voters get that feeling any longer. And unfortunately for Trump, because of, though he did get a lot of very meaningful things done during his first term, particularly when it comes to world peace and when it comes to the economy, just tremendous results in in those areas, domestically and foreign policy given what we see in retrospect and the things that are being done to him and and how overt and unapologetic the power structure is being at simply trying to imprison him um, as a way of interfering in this election, there is a sense even amongst Trump supporters that how you know if he does get elected, even if he can get some think that the election will be stolen anyway, even if he does get in there, will they let him do anything? And when your voting base, gets to the point where they don't know that it's going to make much of a difference anyhow, then you're going to lose a lot of them, the enthusiasm. They're going to stop coming out to vote. Now, Democrats right now, what do they have? What's their enthusiasm? It's hate Trump. I mean, they're, they're in, it's a horrible enthusiasm level, but it's all based on hate. You know, hate for white privilege, hate for rich people. Uh, hate for Jews for some of them, and this is a battle that you know the the Biden campaign is fighting. Uh, hate for Republicans, hate for Trump supporters, and and so they at least there is a motivating factor that they feel as if in because in their minds, if Republicans get in charge, all these horrible things are going to happen, and if we're in charge, we can just lock them away, we can put them in jail, we can put them in prison if we want to. That's what some of the more activists think and and we've seen that at play and we were watching it before our very eyes and so that's at least a motivating factor they see that difference and they 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 
are motivated by that to some degree. But Republicans, particularly when it comes to policy, Republicans generally are not motivated by vengeance. Republican voters are not motivated by this idea that we're going to imprison political opposition. One, because Republicans don't do that. And two, because Republicans don't believe in doing that. Outside of Trump, you take Trump out of the equation. What reason do people who or even just independent voters necessarily feel really enthusiastically compelled to go like, what is the difference in the outcome going to be? Do you think that spending is going to be much different? Do you think the deficits are going to be much different? Do you think corruption is going to be much different? Do we think that with Republicans in charge, that the FBI, uh, the CIA, the, the IRS, these institutions and organizations are going to stop going after Americans that disagree with them? Do, I, I don't think most Republicans feel that way. And so increasingly, you have a group of voters that you rely on to get out to the polls that be, that are beginning to feel like it really doesn't make much difference. And when that happens, it's going to be much, much more difficult to win elections. Even if you are a protege of Mitch McConnell. Springfield's Talk 104.1. I'm Nick Reed. Out and about today, swing by Golden and Weaver, the new Aller Building Company subdivision, Woodvale Builder Incentives. Now, with interest rates, that's a reason a lot of you have held off on buying that brand new home that you do want. But with builder incentives, you can certainly offset those problems. And that is with Aller Building Company, O-L-L-E-R. We have a first responders breakfast Friday, just a couple days away. Scramblers, Barker's Frame and Collision, Pyramid Roofing and Scramblers buying breakfast Friday morning, 689A for first responders. So you ought to come out, join us. And as a first responder, get yourself some free breakfast streaming live ksgf.com and the ksgf app any of the show that you miss with two hours left this morning we do have the on-demand section